0: This podcast is produced by Arts Council England. For more content like this, visit artscouncil.org.uk or soundcloud.com forward slash Arts Council England.
1: Okay. Hello, everyone. I think we'll get started and and allow for people to come in as as they go. Hello. Uh, My name's Moira Sinclair. I work at the Arts Council, but you're going to have to forgive me that for today. I hope we're going to have a really... Um, engaging and productive conversation the idea is that we come out of this uh, session with some solutions or some suggestions about how we take forward some of the things that have been raised this morning and through the conversation this afternoon Um, I have to remind you now because I'll forget a bit later that the session is being recorded that if you've got points that you would like to make, could you please wait and speak into the microphone so that your um, thoughts can be recorded as well? And it would be really helpful if you would say who you are, partly, um, again, for the people who are going to listen to this later, and partly because it's courteous um, for us uh, all to know each other if we're going to have a really good conversation. So um, I'm really delighted that we've got two speakers who sit on opposite sides of a fence, perhaps, um, John Mowbray who is at Northumbria Water and you can see more about him and, and get his bio in the packs that you've got and Gavin Sharp and both of them are going to give us short, pithy, really um, interesting presentations and then we can reflect on the questions that we've heard raised from this morning and open it up and uh, send it over to you and I suppose my job is partly about timekeeping um, and partly about trying to focus the discussion a little bit so we do come up with something very productive at the end so, on that note, I'm going to ask Gavin um, to get yeah. us all thinking. Yeah.
2: Good afternoon. Um, thanks for coming to this session. We weren't sure how many people we were going to get in, but uh, it's great to see uh, a good spread of people. Um, this presentation is, is really adapted from our uh, normal um, fundraising presentation, uh, where you see yellow lettering, or slightly green Uh, luminous lettering, they're slides that I put in they're kind of asking questions and making statements so um, interjections if you like into what is our normal uh, fundraising presentation. Uh, I think uh, before I start I wouldn't mind knowing how many of you are practising artists Um, so if you're a practising artist can you please put your hand up marvellous And, and, and the rest of you, are you arts organisations, can we put hands up if we're kind of arts organisations right that's that's great. And anything else that doesn't fit into those two? Go on. Let's go, go around. Go on. Who, who else? What's else? Oh, arts Council. arts Council. Of course. That's an arts organisation. Uh, uh, anyone? City of City Council. Of course you're City Council, Beth. I know that. Absolutely. Well, you're kind of an arts organisation.
1: <laughs>
2: oh, marvellous. All right. Yes. An educational organisation. Superb. Well, all right. Just so that you know... I started off as an artist. Um, I, well, I went to music college, in fact, and um, and, and I spent uh, ten years once I finished um, music college touring the world as a professional uh, and fairly flaky musician um, because that's what you can be when you're an artist. Uh, so I hit my thirtieth birthday, or it hit me uh, rather like a steam train, and. Um, After my 10-year summer holiday as being an artist, um, I had to, uh, I felt, uh, well, yeah, I had to grow up and uh, and go out and get a job in in the art sector. It was the only thing that I I knew. Um, So uh, just as a kind of brief introduction, I I do think about these things uh, from both perspectives and I I do try and do that. And I think that's an important element of of, uh, kind of the skill set that I bring to my job. So what is my job? Uh, Well, I suppose we ought to talk about that. So I work for a small-scale arts organisation. And, of course, fundraising is a key part uh, of our uh, economy. It's not something that I'm naturally comfortable with, but it is part of the reality of it. Uh, And so uh, we we have thrown ourselves into it and uh, uh, with some success, which is probably why uh, I've been asked to speak today. Um, right, so um, one of the things that, I, I, um, uh, that is important when you're going out there fundraising is uh, you need to know uh, what you're saying and why, um, and, and that's kind of the, the, the detail that I'm going to, to work through today. So first thing is, who are you? I mean, you've got to tell people who you are, uh, and we are Band on the Wall. So uh, if you didn't know, I'm Gavin Sharp. And I'm the chief exec of Ban on the Wall, which is a small-scale music venue uh, based on the Inner Ring Road in Manchester. And you kind of can't get more succinct than that, can you? Uh, but it's interesting because it's important to get that message across. Um, however, we are not just a small-scale venue uh, on the Inner Ring Road of Manchester. We are much more than that. And many of you who work within arts organisations may have that kind of snappy one sentence which describes who and what you are, but actually perhaps it's not encompassing enough um, for uh, the people that you're talking to. And principally when we're thinking about fundraising, we are talking to uh, one of two sets of people. Uh, One is companies, uh, and of course uh, the individual that represents a company is quite separate from that individual themselves. They may well be a human being with their own personal interests, but, of course, they have their uh, commercial or company agenda uh, to fulfil. So uh, it's important that, though you're aware of them as an individual, that you are also aware of them as a professional and that you are thinking in those terms. So for us, um, one of the first things, of course, that we have to state and make clear is, is our mission statement, uh, what we do, what we believe in, what we are all about. Um, You can read it, it's right there. We're a music charity, (coughs) we're about international roots music, and we're about uh, being able to see and experience that music in a social and conducive environment. So we are a nice, friendly place to come and listen to the great musics of the world. That's what we're about. You have to think exactly what you're about. It's a key part of it, because you've got to be able to tell people very clearly, very simply, what it is that you are about. And then everyone can make their well-informed decisions. They can decide whether they are going to move on and progress the conversation or they are going to um, shake your hand and politely get about the business because what you are about is not what they're about. It helps, it helps keep the conversation clear. And what do you do? Because, of course, you, you, you probably do a number of things. It's possible that you do things that you don't initially realise that you do. For us, uh, we are about... That's interesting, formatting. I've not seen that before. Uh, we are a, a venue, as I said. Uh, but we are not just a venue. Because what became clear prior to us reopening our doors, we, we, uh, we were closed for uh, about five years, actually, uh, fundraising and, capital and going through a capital development programme um, uh, raising the money to to rebuild uh, the venue as a beautiful, uh, state-of-the-art um, uh, small venue. We're about 320 standing capacity uh, and about 150 seated. So, so we're small. The thing that we realised was that um, we need the same kind of staff to run a small venue as... I come from a concert hall background, so it, it, we, we actually have more staff now in our small venue than we, we had in the last concert hall that, that I worked in. Um, you, see, you still need a marketing manager, you need a press officer, you need a programmer, uh, you probably need a programming assistant if you're going to do it well. Um, you, you need all the same kind of staff. You need a finance manager, maybe not quite as much of them, but you do. So uh, we very rapidly looked at the model, worked out uh, that, in fact, if we've got all those staff Uh, And we're putting gigs into our venue. The reality is, of course, uh, that we can put them into any venue. It doesn't matter where the venue is. The fact that our venue's downstairs is neither here nor there. It's about managing the information. So uh, we, um, we put events into venues all over the country. It's not fundraising, but it is analysing your business model and maximising the opportunities and selling them uh, where and when is possible, and, and that feeds into to a lot of what we do. Actually, we do a lot of consultancy work and all sorts of things as well. So. Um And, of course, uh, we are still a charity. People look at us and go, well, what's the difference between you and a commercial venue? We have a very, very active learning and participation programme, and we have developed that through partnerships uh, with uh, Principally Brighter Sounds, which was GMAS, which is Greater Manchester Music Action Zone. So, very briefly, that's kind of... That's the summary of what we're about. Um, But this is about fundraising, so best move it along. Um, The other side of what we're about is digital. And this does kind of come into fundraising. Uh, I'll be very, very quick about this. We have a massive digital presence. Um, it's, um, it generates interest. It is interesting. You know, we've made sure that our digital presence is interesting. Uh, it has, you know, our social networking is built in. Um, we trialled the social network when we first launched our own website. Interestingly, I get lots of people who I used to go to school with get in touch with me through, through our, our own social network rather than Facebook. Um, we have ticket war uh, Again, this is a fundraising model because it's actually uh, a commercial partnership. We are a shop front uh, for a commercial ticket agency. Uh, and every ticket that we sell through our shop window, we get a kickback off that commercial agency on. So if you, uh, I'll, I'll show you some slides of that. But that's a good example of a, of a commercial partnership where we've gone to a ticket agent uh, to work with them. Uh, and, and of course, what we sell is not tickets for our own venue. It's tickets for every other venue. It's tickets for the arena. It's small sporting events. It's Manchester City Football Club tickets. Oh. It's tickets for anything. So you buy tickets through Ticket Wall, and we get a little donation back. And of course, that's right there on the front page. It's buy off us. You know, if you go to Ticketmaster, the money's going to Ticketmaster. It's going to some director over in in, in the state somewhere. You, you buy it through Ticketwall, and we at least are getting as much as as, as the director would. So um, it's a little it's a little kickback to us. Uh, it's a nice partnership. Um, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, the Ticketwall has a new music competition built in. It's really interesting. It looks great. It ties in SoundCloud with Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus and all sorts of things. Uh, And the TV, Ban on the Wall TV, and of course we call our YouTube channel TV now because it might as well be, because within 12 months your TV is going to be your internet browser. It's how you are going to interact with with that content Um, and and gig scene. Um, Now, the the reason that I'm kind of flagging those up in terms of uh, the fundraising context is they're interesting, aren't they? Fundamentally, they are interesting web presence. If you imagine that you're going to talk to the very successful Dave's Plumbing Supplies, you can imagine his website would be rather tedious, probably. He's not going to get the kind of hits that you get. So it's very important to think that your digital presence is an absolute asset when you are dealing with the commercial world. It has traffic. It has traffic that others would dream of. If you can make it interesting. Okay, so uh, just flicking through, of course, when we do this presentation to uh, potential uh, uh, funders, partners, sponsors, um, we obviously show them this digital presence. We show them how interesting and exciting it is and how worthwhile it would be for them to get uh, their logo onto our digital presence. You can see there, Pannoni is one of our sponsors. They're a big law firm, if you don't know them, in central, well, they're worldwide actually. Uh, This is our ticket shop, um, and as you can see, again, you know, it's mainstream. But if we were to scan down the page, what we would find is there's lots of information actually about our our learning participation programme as well. So it's yes, it's it's appealing to the to the masses, to the mainstream, but at the same time, it's appealing to that kind of social responsibility. Uh, element that that, that that you know if certainly if people are going to buy a ticket anyway, well they might as well buy it off us mightn 't they they might as well so you know and, and, and businesses they understand that they see that. This is the new music competition, which sits at the back of it, which we've already talked about, uh, and that's the YouTube channel. And again, you know, it's interesting content. Uh, and we've turned it into... Uh, we, we include interviews and try and produce, you know, very mini kind of documentaries. Obviously, backstage access is the u- unique thing that we can offer. Um, Ellie, who you can see there on the right, um, is uh, she's actually our TV, band-on-the-wall TV kind of development officer. So she's largely trying to sell... Um, the, the, the AV facility to, to bands that are coming in but at the same time we're very fortunate in that she's trilingual so uh, she can interview most of the bands that come through in the, in their own language as well and there's a great little bit on this actual documentary where um, where Ellie um, uh, overhears one of the guys speaking in French about her and so she cuts in in French so he laughs and then starts speaking in Spanish so then she comes in and speaks in Spanish and, uh, and then he's, he's a bit thrown Then it's a great, great little piece of TV so again, I'll just flick through that. Again, you know, interesting Facebook presence. It's interesting. You know, if you're going to go and talk to companies, you know, the fact that your digital presence is interesting is worth its weight in gold, and, and we'll come to that at the end. You've got to evaluate that and, and really think about what that is worth within your, your particular locale. So again, why support us? our web platforms enjoy over 50,000 hits per month over 50,000 hits per month of not just any old person people who are interested who have a particular demographic particular set of interests our attendance is growing uh, again we demonstrate that we are we are a developing business that we are an expanding business and and that probably we'll probably come on to that in terms of of the Q&As because um, I believe very much um, that that we are a charity of course we have our charitable objectives of course that does not mean that we do not act in a completely business like manner I am not an artist anymore I am a chief exec of a business I run a business it's my responsibility to run that business as effectively as possible in order to support the artists that I support It's not for me to continue to dream about how nice it would be if I was still an artist. Really important point, I think. So there we are. We're a business. We're a growing business. We're expanding. It's an opportunity to expand with us. Do a three-year sponsorship deal with us, and your £10,000 now might actually buy you £30,000 worth of profile within three years if you commit to that. It's important to note... That, you know, if you're expanding, the value is going to go up. <coughs> but, of course, at the point of signing, you can sign an agreement which, which, which fixes um, the support. Right. Um, net promoter score. Um, let me just see. Ah, there we are. Does anyone know what a net promoter score is? Arts organisation people. Really, really important... <coughs> John, do you sorry, yeah, do you know what a net promoter score is? Of course he does. He's from the world of business. Uh, if you're in the world of business, you know what a net promoter score is. It's how many people think you're great minus how many people who think you're rubbish. And uh, people at like Apple enjoy a very high net promoter score of about 56, 60%. We have uh, 76, um, which is obviously outstanding. Business people generally uh, are amazed by that. And... Um, uh, and, it, and it and it does very well. If you're an arts organisation, you need to know what your net promoter score is, right? I'm oh, going. How do you that how you people...
1: Sorry, can, can we, we d- take Q and As at the end? Because I need to get microphones to you so that you're recorded. Yeah. Can I get you to
2: um, yes. On? Okay. Uh, right. I, I will. I will move through uh, very quickly. Uh, KPIs again. If you don't know what KPIs are, you're going to need to. Uh, need to know. Ultimately let's get to the end of it, it's the ask, you've got to ask them for the money of course, uh, uh, but you've got to tell them why. And for us uh, in our locale, it's you know, our sponsorship starts at 1000 quid. that's less than two adverts in the Manchester Evening News Arena for a dedicated 50,000 hits per month. If we have the kind of people coming to our venue, hitting our website, that are potentially your customers, um, or the customers of, of those businesses, then it's a very sensible £1,000 spend. It's not an unreasonable ask. We're not begging for it. It's just a good business offer. All right? Brilliant. I think I've done.
1: Thank you. Uh, right, I'm going to hold the questions, but we've logged that one, which is how on earth do you measure that particular yes. d- uh, <coughs> data set? And I'm going to ask John um, to, to move swiftly on and talk about the other side of the fence. So he's the business side. Um, at Northumbria Water, uh, so it'll be good to hear whether you recognise
3: what Gavin is saying. Hi, uh, this six to eight minutes I think I've been given to speak is a is a cut-down version of a 60-minute presentation I did for the South Korean Arts Council about 15 months ago, so apologies if you can't understand my accent and the speed at which I go, <laughs> but I'm delighted, given who's in the audience, to say that there's my first slide with Anthony Sargent here. And about 17 years ago, uh, I, a dating agency came to see me called the Sponsors Club for Arts and Business, which was a, an organisation which had been pulled together in the northeast, East, uh, linked to arts and business, which basically tried to link arts organisations and business. My first link was with Northern Sinfonia. Uh, they came to see me and said, if you put five grand in, we'll put five grand in, and this is what you can do. Uh, One part was a concert by uh, Northern Sinfonia at City Hall. Sage Gateshead wasn't built. Um, We took guests. We'd never done that before. We'd never entertained people. It was awful. Um, It was the most depressing piece of music I've ever heard. My chairman said to me at half time, I feel like I should slash my wrists, John. Um, I thought, this is not going well. But the other part of it was uh, an education project with two schools in Gateshead and two in Newcastle. Um, and what they did was they used music. A wonderful guy called Clarence Adieu, uh, really enthused the kids about the water cycle. We've actually got statutory obligations to include the water cycle in work that we do. And it suddenly dawned on me, actually, that artists could do that rather than, than me and my team because we couldn't engage with them in this, the way that uh, someone like Clarence and, and other members of the orchestra did. So that was the first, for me, the first real partnership that I got involved with. And this is all about partnership as I go through. Uh, The company I work for now, Northumbrian Water, they went through the same process. The organisation they first got engaged with was the Royal Shakespeare Company when it first came to Newcastle. And of course, it's been there for, for 30 years. It comes back every year. So that's the engagement. That's how it started. Now... I move on to the, uh, the the pretty pictures. At Kielder Water, you know it's the biggest reservoir in in, in northern Europe. Uh, we had a big problem because it's a beautiful big piece of water which supplies the whole of the northeast. But actually, Kielder Village is the most repo- remote part of England, so it was starting to die. People were moving away from the area. So there's a big exercise by a partnership, Kilda Water and Forest Park Development Trust it's called, with the company, with the Forestry Commission, with the County Council, with the Calvert Trust and various others, supported by the Arts Council, artists and architects, and we've got our own curator supported by the Arts Council up there, to build this wonderful what is now the largest outdoor art and architecture gallery in the UK, around the reservoir and in the forest at Kielder. And those are just some of the images. Um, sorry they're cut down because they are fabulous. But that's part of a big plan to, to drive people up to uh, Kielder and its environs to sustain that village. So what's happened now is... People do want to live there. We can employ people there. The Forestry Commission can employ people there. And it's all because of that art network and some other things that we've got up there, including lovely walks, bike rides and all sorts of things. And it's about putting pieces of art and architecture where people don't expect to see them. The other part of uh, sustaining that um, that uh, community in, in North Northumberland was Winter Wonderland, We realised that it wasn't a a 365-day-a-year venue. We work with a theatre company in Newcastle called Dodgy Clutch. Some of you might know Ozzy Riley. Um, They actually put on performances for children. It's a commercial operation for them and for us. We get 20,000 people going up the valley November and December, and it means that it is now a 365-day resort. So why do we do that? In the last two to three years... We've driven up spend in that community by about 30%. We've created about 30% more direct and indirect jobs. And the visitor numbers have also gone up by about 30%. Some are just above and some are just less. So we've got about 300,000 people visiting that, that outdoor gallery now, which is a huge impact for us and the wider community. You can see businesses developing. You can see artists actually wanting to use the site. If I move on to other reasons why we work with different organisations, Spotlight Theatre is a small theatre group in Bishop Auckland. We had a big problem. We have to legally force you to use less water. Uh, There are commitments to do that, so we have to be innovative in how we do it. We can put things in your toilets and on your showers, but we've also got to educate young people. Uh, Spotlight have done 70,000 kids they've seen now in 300 schools in the northeast, in Essex and in Suffolk huge impact, means we score the points that we need we can actually prove the impact that that has and that means we avoid getting a fine and the fine that we would get legally and regulatory wise is in seven figures, so a huge, huge sum and allows people like Spotlight to get involved in other things as well We've worked with different organisations in employee development, so a partnership with Richard Olivier and his company Mythodrama was about getting people to think creatively in the business. It's one of the values in the business, but actually we're an engineering company, we tend to look at bits of metal and tie them together and pipes and stuff like that, but this was just trying to get people to think differently. Uh, He used Henry V for leadership and management, uh, and that inspired us to do different things. You had to go through your dark night of the soul. Mine was to create a volunteering scheme 10 years ago. This is it. In 10 years, we've now done 55,000 hours in the community. Um, and we've got about 40% of our workforce actively working with a whole series of uh, of groups in the community. That employee involvement extends. so So that contact I said with... Uh, arts and business we'd never done although we'd done a lot in the northeast we'd never done anything in Essex which is where we also operate so we were building a new office alongside the treatment works we asked the employees to work with artists uh, they worked with half a dozen different artists selected one and then worked with the artists to create this this has made it so that's called life cycle all different bits of life in the bit that drops down from the ceiling, it makes it a fantastic atmosphere to work in. It's had a real impact on the way people think in that place. That led us on to a partnership with another arts organisation called METAL. Um, it's uh, a lady called Colette Bailey who, who, who leads that. We worked with them in Southend, a community where we, need, we were doing some work and we needed to get into that community to talk about what we were doing. We did that successfully in Chalkwell Park. But then we had a redundant (coughs) building, which we couldn't really do anything with. The market wasn't right. It had no development value. We turned it over to Metal. They worked with uh, four arts cooperatives uh, who've now transformed that building. The council now wants us to develop the site. The development value's gone up. But what they've insisted is, when we do develop the site, and we will work with Metal, we've already agreed with that, that the art stays within the <coughs> development that we make going forward. Uh, so that use of redundant buildings, here, again, we will use, We have a health centre in, in, in Easington, in County Durham, so we were using artists to encourage kids to come in. Um, Easington has just, about, I think it's the second worst health next to, um, to Merthyr Tydfil. I think was the worst, uh, but encouraging kids to come into this centre to think about health in different ways. And health is very much on our agenda as, as, as one of the, the key things that we exist for health and, and, and environment. 27,000 visits to that site uh, last year, uh, to the extent it's now winning national awards because of its engagement. But it's not just cash. We encourage our people through that volunteering scheme to get engaged Uh, in organisations for my own part I sit on the board of live theatre and I put that up because it's it's my time it's sometimes work time uh, and it's a huge success but it's part of a bigger picture and I'll come back to that bigger picture later on if I may do the exciting thing for us as a northeast region is Pittman Painters was on Broadway and that had a huge impact on our reputation as a region Going on again, and I know Helen marriage is here from, from Lo- uh, Artichoke, who put to, I also, as you'll see from my bio, I'm involved in things in Durham City. Durham City is actively using uh, festivals and art to actually change people's perception of the city. It's dragging people in. Uh, the company supported the Lindisfarne Gospels campaign for for 12 years. That's to get the gospels back to the northeast. What better way to do it than than a company like Artichoke portraying them on the side of Durham Cathedral? And that festival in November last year brought 150,000 people into Durham city, many of whom had never been there before. And finally, uh, Ellington Colliery Band. The pit was going to close. The band uh, was going to go. We stepped in and supported them. And that wasn't actually about partnership, it just felt the right thing to do. And I think there's nothing wrong with that, but what I wanted to talk to you is about partnership rather, rather than philanthropy. What we have now, though, is a wonderful partnership with them, representing us all over the country and supporting us in many activities. So partnership, what I try to demonstrate quickly is partnership is definitely the way to do it. Trying to get What you mutually want to get out of it, and it'll be different things, but also that facilitation that the sponsors club brought to us was absolutely critical. And whether it's, uh, I, I think if we lose that going forward, that's the one thing which will make everything fail. We need to have that little bit in the middle which oils the wheels and just make sure that the partners can come together. Thank you.
1: Great. Thank you so much. I have a sneaking suspicion that the arts organisations amongst us will want to clone you and uh, take you... uh, It's very rare to hear someone from business say they're funding the arts because it just felt like the right thing to do. And I think that's incredibly inspirational. So what I think we've heard um, is uh, quite a big piece about data and evidence and evaluation and demonstrating impact in a way that makes sense to whoever you're needing to demonstrate impact to. And we'll pick up that question in a second. I think we've heard a big uh, thing about partnership and what, what came through this morning's conversations was what does that mean for individual artists? What does that mean for the small-scale organisations who don't necessarily have the resource to be able to generate those partnerships? Um, we've heard about the value of the artist in all of this and actually the quality of the work that both of our speakers have spoken about seems to me to be pretty critical in, in, the, in the conversation. Um, um, and we've heard about the kind of the mainstream, in, to, in Gavin's case, about how you demonstrate that what you do is not a periphery, it's actually right centre stage in all sorts of ways. So I'm going to open it up to you and ask for questions from the floor. Um, I've got one over there. While we're taking the microphone over there, perhaps, Gavin, you could just answer the question about how you get to 76%. Uh,
2: right, so it's, it's uh, pretty straightforward. You, you ask about 1,000 people, or you can, you know, if you're a big company, you would probably ask tens of thousands of people. And uh, you ask them a very simple question, which is, would you um, promote this organization to friends and colleagues? And um, uh, you, you give a score between 1 and 10. And those who give 9 or 10 are the ones who would um, actively promote you. I think it might be eight, nine, or ten. Those who give seven or six are neither in or there. They probably forget and think, "No, oh, I should have done, but I didn't." Uh, and then everybody below that uh, would obviously never promote. You and would would obviously say, uh, "No, I would never go there. Don't bother." Um, so it's it's the number of nines or tens that you get in answer to the question: Would you uh, would you act, act, actively promote this um, venue to or product or, or company to your friends and colleagues? Minus the one who would actively go out there and say, I would never touch that with the barge pole. And uh, I didn't know what it was either till about uh, 18 months or two years ago. Uh, but you present it to, to a business community and, and, and certainly if you get those kind of scores, they're, they're very impressed. It means your customer care levels are good.
1: So. Great. Okay, could you say who cool. you-
2: uh, national promoter um, net. net promoter score sorry.
1: net promoter and um, promoter score okay. okay so could you say who you are
4: um Leslie jackson phoenix dance theater um it's a bit more of a philosophical question actually picking up on something that came up in the roundup from this morning's um it was mentioned that arts organizations and artists felt particularly that it was particularly important that they um questioned the Motives of investors into their organizations. now, if we take out of the equation anything that is really illegal and really bad, um, and how, did the, how much do uh, Gavin and John think that we should be the arbiter of morality? Um, if you look at sports and its success in attracting inward investment in terms of sponsorship? do we have to be much more choosy? OK.
1: Shall I take a couple of questions and then we'll see where you get to? So I've got one here and I've got one here. So if you would like to say who you are.
5: Yes. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm Judith King. I'm from Arts and Heritage. I'm based in the North East. Um, obviously, we're in a, a very changing uh, situation and landscape now, really very changed, um, and uh, I do know Kielder, and I know it very well, and uh, it's, um, I also work with English Heritage up in the North East, so I, I sort of know the value of how these commissions are used by the organisations to promote tourism, and in fact, the Kielder head was in the Guardian yesterday, so the value of, of that is, is really high. With the changing landscape and with the Arts Council, Reducing and withdrawing funding for many organisations. What do the big businesses, you know, how do the big businesses cope with that? How do they work in partnership with perhaps the Arts Council who are not supporting anymore? How does that happen? How do they address it? Okay, and then I have one here.
6: Uh, Well, my question is really, um, it's very interesting hearing about corporate. I'm Vanessa Owens Jackson from Cultivate in the East Midlands. We've been doing a huge amount on philanthropy, (coughs) including running some RSA roundtables on this. And I'm really interested that what we're hearing here is very much the corporate face of fundraising. But I don't know that that's actually what the challenge is in this room or outside of this room. I think the challenge is that we have to find an affinity with our audiences an affinity with those people who might give to us without necessarily seeing a return of investment on that, that, yes, the data will still be important, but the way in which that is presented will need different ways in which it's presented, and that the corporate speak is not actually the way we will necessarily win the hearts and minds <laughs> for what will be a very, very difficult period. I'm in a region where there is a a dearth of uh, corporate investment. That's not going to change in the next five years. Um, We have a government that is saying, increase your philanthropy, go ahead, do it. We have an arts council that's reducing its investment in the arts in certain areas, increasing it in others. Mm -hmm. We have local authorities that are slashing investment. And what I really wanted to hear today was how the artist, which is at the core of everything we do, manages to achieve these astonishing targets that are being set everywhere, which sometimes going to a corporate like Northumberland Northumbria um, Water is just way out of anything they would ever imagine doing. Where is the help? Where is the support? Where is the facilitation for people to achieve that? And if it's all about figures and returns and value, many artists wouldn't even know where to begin to produce that. And it worries me that the very things they're going to need are being wiped out as we speak. So this is a plea for us to kind of open our eyes to the fact that some of the things we're being set to do are not achievable unless we invest. And is that something the corporates do? are they going to invest in some of the things
1: that are being withdrawn? Because I don't know who else is going to do it. Okay, so I'm going to take those questions and perhaps make uh, some more thoughts from you and the floor about what that investment would look like if it's needed. So rather than... Because we're trying to get to solutions-focused, and we've had those <laughs> raised this morning, so if you've got any thoughts about what that investment could look like beyond just put more money into my company, which isn't kind of going to do it... Mm-hmm but what else might we we we'd be doing collectively uh, and across the sector? But can we just start with um, the question of arbiters of taste?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's a really straightforward answer. Uh, no, of course, you don't partner up with a company with which you've got no synergy. It, it would be, um, it, in the long term, it, it, it would be um, a mistake and, um, and there's no point doing it. We don't even approach... Companies that w- for, with which we don't have a synergy or there is not some kind of connection there, um, and we, we wouldn't accept sponsorship uh, from from any company that, that we didn't feel comfortable with. Uh, all our suppliers, as much as possible, we, we develop a partnership with, uh, including, you know, we use green energy. Uh, we talk to them about the fact that we've got a shop front. We're hoping that that will, will persuade them to reduce the tariffs that they give us, but still. We are with them. Um, uh, we use the cooperative for banking. Um, no, no it, it's, it's an important part of it, of course.
1: And, John, for you, do you check the other way? The credentials of the arts organisations uh, to check whether they're ones you want to work with as well?
3: Yeah, that, that was actually going to be my answer because I think uh, at the end of the day, it's up to you whether you, you can choose. Um, I think when you make that choice, just make sure you make it on a proper evidence base rather than. Something you've read or something you've, you, you've been told, but the other side of that is yes. I mean, there certainly as a, as a business, there are some organisations, not just art organisations, we wouldn't work with. Uh, you know, we 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 do have some quite specific values that you know what ethical is one of them. So we we will be very careful what we do. Um, so we do all of the things that like we try to procure locally where we can. Um, but there are some companies we just we just wouldn 't touch and there's there 's some art organizations which perhaps because they push too far in one way we, we, we wouldn 't deal with either so I think it's it 's it's, it's always a choice in, on both sides
1: and in terms of the economics, we know it 's tough out there at the moment yeah. um, What do partnerships look like for both of you and, and and are there ways in which we could build better partnerships in order to come through? Uh, the challenging economic times that we're looking at and uh, in particular I just think there's an interesting question about where corporate funding stops and philanthropy actually starts and I think you've modelled something which sits right across both of those things when you talked about the um, the brass band company that, that strikes me as being quite largely that at, starts certainly on the philanthropic end yeah. in terms of your work with live theatre you, that's you as an individual sitting on the board there so perhaps some thoughts about where philanthropy sits in this, where corporate sponsorship sits in this, and, and, and how difficult it is across all of those things.
3: Shall I go first? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's difficult. I think what I was trying to say is that um, we, we've built partnerships all, over years. Um, so I'm looking at, at Anthony there, the partnership we had with Northern Sinfonia led to a partnership with Sage Gateshead, and that's probably gone through two recessions, I guess, at least. Um, and I think the strength, the, the, the strength, certainly, in the sustainability of the partnership, um, but also being, being prepared to reinvent it and do different things as well. And I think it, if I talk about Kielder specifically, um, we've had a, a partnership... Which was which would then be a partner of the arts council, which would then be a partner of the the artists, and that's actually starting to come together. So rather than have the so the arts council are actually now part of the partnership. Mm. So I think there's a there's a closer working together because it's not giving you the answer you want. It doesn't mean there's loads of cash to do things. But what we're doing now is we're thinking more creatively about what we can do. So Akiela, for example. It may not be structural things, but we 're we're certainly looking at performance based things which we can do with local communities and with people who we might uh, bring up to the up the valley so I guess it 's just trying to reinvent yourself all of the time. One of the things that we 're trying to do as is, is, is a, is a business is to get more of our people active in organizations as well it 's not just art organizations it 's environmental organizations health. Um, so, that, so, so that they've got this better understanding of, of some of the issues that, 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 that people would have. Um, so I, I can't answer it directly, but uh, I think we're just trying to think more creatively where there is the, the, the pots. I mean, I, I was at a meeting yesterday, something completely different, and basically there's a dozen businesses clubbing together with 500 quid to enable something to happen. Uh, and it's a, it's a TV production. So that's, that wouldn't have happened before, but now people are starting to say, well, actually, and I, I tend to enable things because of the different roles I've got, we bring people together, uh, and you might get, I say, 10 or 12 companies coming together to do something. They're still looking for a return rather than just the one. So I think it's just different ways of doing things. Okay.
1: And as a small organisation, Gavin, mm-hmm. do you see the future in sponsorship or in this conversation with an audience which becomes part of a philanthropic endeavour? What's the balance between those two things?
2: Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a completely mixed economy. Okay. Uh, you have to have that breadth of portfolio. Um, there's no doubt about it. Um, you have to be able to communicate effectively to your audiences. Uh, and I was talking to someone actually this morning who was saying, yeah, but does your audience want or need to know that you're a charity? And, and it's very true. Some of our, our audience... We kind of almost don't want them to know. Uh, it would make us look perhaps too much like an institution. So to that audience, we're, we're probably keen that they perceive us be, as being a kind of cool venue on the edge of the city. Uh, to to um, a, a corporate organisation uh, that's thinking very much from uh, the point of view of, of commercial benefit, um, the kind of presentation that I gave earlier is, is probably the most appropriate. Um, for talking to someone like john uh, you know uh, i hear john's kind of language all the time where it's talking about partnerships and and of course there are people that you that that want that partnership you know some corporates just just want to give you the money and get the profile that's it's funny because we we work really hard to try and get them involved in in what it is we're doing and come along to gigs and things like that because we're very passionate about it some just are not interested at all um some are really interested. Panone, who who was up there as a sponsor of Ticket Wall, um, uh, you know, we, the, the director comes down uh, very regularly uh, and is very keen to be part of, of the organisation. So it's different things for different people, you know, but most certainly that, you know, the, the, as you said, the, the challenges of, of kind of developing a, a philanthropic um, base is, is really difficult, you know. It is incredibly difficult because you 're trying to communicate different things to to different people and and of course a lot of our audience we, we appeal we 've got a, a kind of a large working class audience base largely and uh, and quite a young audience base as well in in some respects though we we 're kind of very mixed actually um but, uh, you know, they feel that they already give to us. They buy tickets. You know, it's not, you know, it's not like walking into a museum where y- your big box is there going, please give generously. People, well, they already am giving generously, actually. Um, and, 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 you know, so, so, so we have kind of different challenges there. You know, we've found that turning our normal attender into a, a, a small-scale giver is is just almost pointless you know it just it, i think by when you buy a ticket you can donate i think we've had two donations of 1 pound in that time in, t- in two and a half years it's just pointless they're buying a ticket they're giving the fact that the vat man therefore takes 20% is not their problem it is our problem um, okay. can,
3: can i come back yeah, just sure. just um, just to one point just just to come back to that what, one of the things I meant to say at the end of mine was about the bigger picture, which is about a lot of the things you do, you know there's a bigger picture. And Newcastle Gateshead is, is obviously the, the great example, but now it's, I mean, tourism to, to Newcastle Gateshead it's worth about £1.3 billion. And 20 years ago there was nothing there. So the the, the, the world-class facilities that have come along have, have started to, to to bring people in. Newcastle, Gateshead again, had more people in hotel rooms than ever last October, so people are coming there. So the, we've had that investment, whether it's public or private, it does, doesn't matter. So the the struggle that the part the cultural organisations are having is how they get together, but there's there's a group of 10, 12 who now are pooling their resources together and actually thinking of how they work together better, and they're learning from each other because within that you've got some brilliant ones, some ones who are struggling a bit, but they're actually pooling together. And that then actually makes it easier for other organisations to engage with them because they know that they're all together, I don't know, a couple of times a month or whatever.
1: Certainly from an Arts Council point of view, I think there's a a really interesting question about where the balance lies in the organisations that you fund. And so it's interesting to hear someone saying, for me, um, the sponsorship the ticket drive, the income generation is always going to be more important than the philanthropy. And for other organisations, the philanthropy is going to be the primary focus. And I think that's something, you know your organisations better than anybody else. And you'll have a real sense of how that goes. I could just hear myself getting more Mancunian by the second, which I just share with you, because I used to study here and it is a long time ago. Right, some more questions. Uh, Yes, we'll do one, two, three, and then four. Okay, so Uh, can we give you just...
3: Uh, mark ball from the lift festival uh it it seems to me that small organizations don't it's not that they they don't know what to do but the biggest nut to crack is always capacity Mm -hmm. and in developing philanthropic relationships or relationships with with corporates or in even thinking about how you develop relationships with audiences by building online platforms there's a massive capacity issue which which organizations small organizations in particular, need to get their head around i'll just want to ask you in particular, Gavin, how in developing the business model, you must have kind of, you must have uh, 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 taken a bit of a risk in saying, well, I need to make X amount of investment in building up all of these online platforms in order for me to get the kind of audience intelligence and audience relationship that I want. Uh, And how, just how you kind of moderate that within your business operations. Okay, so
1: so we should take four and then we'll come back and do
7: them all. Uh, Clive Hotwood, Writers and Prison Network. Um, over the years we 've had some tremendous help from people like Paul Hamlin Foundation, Indigo Trust, and so on. Up until last year, our major funder was the Arts Council until they cut us adrift and took hundred percent of our funding away Now clearly we 're not as sexy as an inner city uh, music venue, nor do we sell tickets so one of our you know, one of our options obviously is looking for philanthropy partnerships, sponsorship and so on. Um, I think I'd like to pick up on the point that I don't think got, really got answered. There is where is the help for organ- small organisations like us? For how do you actually approach that sort of th- those potential partners? Um, give you two s- tiny examples. I've been to a couple of conferences where we've had cabinet ministers who bang on about philanthropy. So my question has been: so which which is a, who is the first me- millionaire member of the cabinet who is going to show an example and put their hands in their pockets? Haven't had a reply yet. The other one was my co-director went to a sort of seminar on philanthropy. The two major speakers were right. So the American model is, mm-hmm. you know, and what you have to do is go to these gala dinners and you, but you know, well there aren't too many of those, you know, that we can actually access. So where's the help? Mm-hmm. Now, uh, obvious part of this person would be probably arts and business, mm-hmm. who sadly had a hundred percent of their funding cut by the arts council last year. So where, where is the help that the likes of us can go to? To you know, actually prepare us to go out there in the market and find those philanthropist partners, sponsors. Great.
1: Okay, then we're over here.
4: G um, Gosling, I'm an artist but I'm currently producing two projects that I've been fundraising for and I just wanted to share some of the things that I've been finding. One, I'm working with Artemis Theatre Company and REGARD, which is the National LGBT Disabled People's Organisation, to do a participatory theatre project about the experiences of disabled LGBT people. And the second project is directing a Paralympic Disability Arts Festival in Newham. And both of those projects start and at the present still have no funding. Now, when I started going through the directory that listed the 2,500 most rich trusts, I thought, well, this is great. You know, the one advantage we have as disability arts is we can package this to non-arts funders, and that should be a positive but of 2,500 of the richest trusts, only four actually list LGBT people as being a priority. And if you then add into the mix that 90% of LGBT voluntary organisations like Regard have no funding whatsoever and are run by the members, that is a real problem, particularly as none of the four LGBT prioritise disabled people, so we're already onto a loser there. Um, slightly more helpful on the disability arts festival, but not massively, because most of the disability funders won't fund the arts and vice versa. Then I got onto the corporate directory, and that I found quite frightening. I was able, ultimately, for the festival, to put in 28 bids out of hundreds and hundreds of companies, because huge, huge numbers of, cha- of businesses now say we specifically say they won't fund anything to do with disability also have this policy now if we need to have a member of staff or a director recommend your company and of the 28 businesses we contacted every single one has so far has come back and said since that directory was published last year we have changed our policy so that everybody has to be it has to come through a personal contact now you've only got to look at the kind of access problems here today to know it's not that easy for me to network But on top of that, disabled people have a 50% unemployment rate. Parents of disabled children are often out of work. You know, they're not in a position to be making those contacts. They absolutely are not. And if you look at the art world, I mean, according to the Arts Council website, I think it's something, if one in four of the working population are disabled, and one in 30 of the staff employed by Arts Council funded organisations are, less than 2% of Arts Council funded consultants. And I find this big gap. And I'm not taking a pop at the Arts Council because you're the only ones who've actually said, well maybe we should be talking about funding you. But it does seem to me to be an impossible situation.
1: Okay, thank you. And we had one, one here here in um, somewhere here yes and then uh, we'll do some more questions and we're going to have to start thinking about wrapping up so
4: Jane Rice-Bowen from Circus Space. Um, I wanted to raise the issue of trustees as philanthropists because that's something that we're beginning to consider. My experience so far has been with skills-based boards and um, now as we've got this philanthropy agenda, there's this notion that actually maybe it's the people on your board who should start putting
1: their hand in their pocket first and be networking and, and making contacts for more money. And I just wanted to ask... John as a trustee, whether that's something that you know, you're being approached about within your role as a trustee in your board and whether you think that's appropriate. And to Gavin who I you know, presume you have a board whether that's something that you feel comfortable with or they would feel comfortable with and, and how that would work within your um, organisation. Okay, so a whole plethora of questions i think about capacity yes about about how do you take the risk and build the capacity yeah. uh, what help do do people need and and how do they get help um to start thinking about this stuff particularly if they're at the small scale or if they represent a group who for for whatever reason don't feel that they're being supported either by the corporate sector or the public sector. So. Uh, Serious question about the capacity.
2: Yeah, um, it's attention to detail and modelling it out in, in in horrific levels of detail, which no one can believe me when I, when I go through it. Um, but prior to reopening, I mean, you know, we modelled out exactly how uh, long it would take to do anything from the cleaners to cleaning to the bar staff to pulling pints, to, to everything. Um, and then we modelled out what a, what a week would look like, uh, what, what, a, what all the different days would look like, what a week would look like, what then the months would look like, then the year would look like. A ridiculous level of detail so that uh, what we hired in exactly what we needed to get to step one. Uh, uh, and, and of course all that sat within a much bigger business plan which worked it out step by step by step and it's kind of one of the things that, that doesn't naturally fit within the culture of art sectors they don't necessarily believe that anyone really does that but I think they probably do and certainly we did in the business sector you, you can probably tell Yet yeah, we're a bit data mad um, we are pretty IT mad we follow on in the tradition of of many uh, kind of uh, great IT companies or, or, or musical music, you know, organisa- musical organizations. In that, it's very mixed for us. We, we're all we're all IT savvy. We don't have an IT man in house. We all train each other, and we have training to kind of get everything to to a particular level. Um, but um, it, it really it, it's about business planning and making the resources that you have stretch. Um, you know. Uh, uh, on the other side of it, it's incredibly difficult um, for, for many arts organisations because you don't necessarily have first call on your capital resources. So to go and negotiate a, a, um, um, a an overdraft or a loan is incredibly difficult. You know, the banks just don't... You know, if they look at your building, they go, yeah, I'm sure we can lend you something against that. And you say, well, actually, you'd take third call on it and they're kind of... You know um, no so so we've done it um, to date without overdraft, um, but as long as you have turnover, you have creditors and, and you can extend that creditors' list if you have a good relationship with your creditors, which will effectively give you an overdraft which you can access um, I suppose that's a kind of quick um, is that all right? Does that does that kind of make sense? I suppose as well we came out of a we came out of a capital project, so so we had cash flowing, yeah. um, but it, it it really is how do you do it? It's about managing cash flow in 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 uh, in a lot of detail.
1: Okay. Have you got any thoughts about capacity and how tough it is out there?
3: I was actually going to pick up the point on return on in investment, okay. which what do you is can I, yeah. which kind of there's a few linked together because um, it is important and I think for us as a company um, we're a private company but we're also a monopoly um, so I, I've kind of got to be able to show well actually to, to, if I do this then I get that um, but I think that applies to, 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 to lots of com- um, companies um, but you, you mentioned a, a number of things which which you picked up as well and that now, that's what I was trying to get to at the end I think the key bit is that facilitation and um, there was a sponsors club for arts and business and an arts and business has now gone into business in the community um, and I think the Arts Council, despite the, the difficulties it's got, has got to probably pick up that banner somehow. Somebody has to pick up that banner of linking the artists and the corporates, whether they're big corporates or small corporates because um, I talked about some, actually some big and some small arts organisations there, but We've dealt with individuals as well. Um, but it's always been somebody to help us because, you know, go, going back to the question over here, it's difficult for somebody thinking, what's well, a pretty big company, Northumbrian Water, how do I get in? And there's lots of bigger ones. But if you've got a facilitator, then they know their way in and I think it's, they're absolutely spot on. The one thing you must not lose going forward is that facilitation role because that that will absolutely help... Any group, whether it's an individual or a large group, um, it just helps them to get through and get through the door. Uh, and the facilitator, certainly in my experience, has organised events. So I'm answering all the mm. questions here, if that's okay. Because yeah. the, the other the other point you made about um, trustees as philanthropists is... is if they took all of my money, it wouldn't make any difference, I can assure you. But but what I do get asked is if I can use the network of contacts I've got. So it's not necessarily me, but it's somebody who does. And that's what that facilitation does. It, it says, John, can you organise a group of businesses to come together to meet this group of artists in Derham? And I, generally, I can't and I, I don't necessarily solve things but I can get the people together and that's going to disappear unless we do something about it so it's, it's really really important in my view
1: Okay, I have to take three things out of this session um, which we feed back into the final session and I'm taking out one which is around a strategic approach to providing help, signposting expertise, creating partnerships working um, between artists and corporates Okay, so we'll take that out as a piece that's come through very loud and clear from here Okay, I've got uh, ten minutes before we go and have some tea and I can see some hands up so we're going to take another really quick set of questions please so that we can get the time to answer them, so I've got one two at the back there and three down here
7: uh, Very very quick one just for Gavin fantastic presentation,
2: just interested in your, in your numbers with that quite small capacity mm-hmm. and all the investment you've made in digital are you looking at things like streaming as being a potentially significant contributor to the business model? Uh, Yes. Uh, Not streaming. Um, Streaming doesn't work in our sector because... the artist almost invariably wants to have a say in, in what goes out um, and whether they're going to issue licence on it and and it is part of that kind of partnership thing, you, you have to approach you know, uh, rights issues quite carefully, so for us, streaming is not the option, that doesn't make sense for us it's about capture and distribution so it's, uh, which brings it then into standard language that the music sector understands which is P&D, it's P&D. so it's production and distribution and, and that's the model that, that we're looking at and of course yeah pay-per-view you know that's we think we've we're very fortunate that we got heritage lottery funding um, to film and record a lot of our shows. So we have over a hundred shows filmed and archived at the moment. Um, we um, are looking at um, we already show clips on on our YouTube channel, which is as you, as you saw. You know, is our Ban on the wall TV, and uh, and we're now registered with Uview, um and we're looking at all sorts of other platforms whereby if if the clip is available for free. The the half hour or forty five minute edited program is available for for you know ninety nine p and again you know it's an it's it's a micro funding model it's um it's it's a useful way to to attract interest to people who are, who are interested in what we are doing whilst at the main, same time uh, generating some some income from it.
1: Okay,
7: I
0: got lost. So at the back, yes. and then down here. Hi, um oh, it's an echo. Shubadas, uh, I'm a theatre director. Um. I um, had uh, a really lovely experience um, with the Arts Council a couple of weeks ago. I um, asked to have a meeting and um, spoke to somebody on the theatre team there um, who let me know that my work had been seen by the Arts Council over the past year and that a project that I have um, in development is uh, at a venue that the Arts Council are interested in supporting. Um, so it seems like it's something that that may get funding, and that's really lovely and exciting. Um, I went away from that, and thinking about it, and thinking about it today, it's sort of actually hearing that, and hearing that that m- my work has been seen and liked, and that there are that, that it may be going to a place that is in need of support in some way. Um, it it's sort of interesting that it feels like certainly this level of being kind of a young self-producing artist, it's kind of incumbent on me to be chasing the funding. And this conference is called Artists Shaping the World, and it's really difficult to feel like you're shaping the world when you're kind of on bended knees asking for a fiver. <laughs> um, and it, I sort of wondered why, why it feels like, and, and I'm happy to be corrected if it's not the case, why it is that we as artists are having to to go through that process constantly and jump through those hoops um, and um, find ways occasionally to, to prostitute ourselves and define our work in, in kind of application-friendly terms. Um, when if, if the work has been noticed and liked and if it is going to be somewhere that, that has been acknowledged as needing support, why, why the conversation can't be the other way around? If we're at the centre of this, why is it that it sometimes feels like funders aren't saying, well, who's out there, or oh, you're there, well, we need this, sh- with this kind of show here, will you take something there, um, et cetera? It just seems like it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Okay.
1: Can we take the last one down here as well? It's probably one for me.
2: Okay. Yeah. Probably uh, um,
8: I work for the BBC Performing Arts Fund and we're a funder oh. <laughs> um, and actually one of the first courses I had to go on when I had the position was to go on a course learning how to say no um, and it was a how do you say no that isn't just a no and I think a lot more needs to be demanded from the funders and um, Funders need to talk to each other more. A lot more signposting needs to happen. Um, arts organisations are asked to, to be, become more like business models. or well, your funders need to become more like funders. Um, and they, there's something to be said about supporting people, whether or not you've given them money or not. Um, so when I have to say no, I say no, but have you tried? Because I've spoken to someone You know, in this kind of environment, I'm talking to other people about what they're funding, Um, and I think definitely funders need to get together a bit more and have a little chat about how we can pull together documents, go out of date about what is a priority, and I think a lot more needs to be demanded by by the people with the money.
1: (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm the chair, so I'm not meant to answer the questions. Do you have any views about artists (coughs) having to get down on bended knee and what that looks and feels like?
3: All, all I was going to say is, I don't, don't think it's just artists because it's there's there's environmental organisations, there's community organisations, there's there's lots of other organisations would feel exactly the same that that, that you know, the, and especially now, lots of them face going out of existence. Charities uh, are, are struggling, so um, and it's, I mean, I, I don't regard us as a funder because the way I talked was about facilitating what we do. Uh, So I suppose you could say we're a funder. We do support organisations, but the number of um, requests and letters we get and phone calls is increasing all of the time. So I I accept your point, but you're up against a whole boatload of other people as well. I I
1: suppose I'm honour-bound to say I'm, I'm glad you've had a good experience with the Arts Council. It's a challenge, Uh, There's a conversation for another day about what happens as our own resource gets smaller in our ability to be proactive rather than reactive in the way that we can work with artists. And we may, in a future conversation, be looking to some of you to say who else can be part of the support for individual artists, who can be proactive in supporting that talent and bringing it through if we don't have the resource to do it. So the first one is that, and the second is just a very pragmatic point about the amount of of money that we have. Um, I know London better than any other region because that's the area that I look after. We are hugely oversubscribed all the time. Um, So uh, the ability for us to be proactive when we are being um, swamped with applications is is quite a challenge. We get out and see as much work as possible and we try and signpost to to our funding and to other funders as much as we possibly can do. But again, we're not the only funder who's swamped at the moment. Um, It is a challenging environment out there and I think there is something about how big organisations and individual artists and smaller organisations might need to think quite differently about how we support our arts ecology over the next couple of years until we come through things. Um, I don't want to run us into tea. I've got loads of hands appearing all over the place.
2: Can can I just respond really quickly to that? Because you sound exactly as I did when I was probably 20-something, which is, I guess, what you are now. And uh, you're absolutely right. I thought it was deeply frustrating at the time. Um, The advice is, uh, 20 years on, uh, is get to know and partner with, with a local venue or, or, or a venue uh, organisation or a funded organisation because I, I really now think that that is the avenue down which uh, most young artists will, will, will approach the Arts Council and, and start developing those links with the Arts Council and other funders by organisations like us championing you. And I've got to say that though the Arts Council may be swamped, we're not... We don't get enough really good young artists coming knocking at our door saying, I've got an amazing project. There's something that I really want to do. We really want to work with you. Here is the plan. I know what I'm going to do. You know, we don't see enough of that. It's, it's the entrepreneurial side of, of what being a young artist is all about uh, and, and you should develop it and you should go out there and make the meetings and knock on the doors. It's the only way to do it.
1: Okay, I am going to wind the session up. I'd like to thank you all for your contribution. Um, the Arts Council is, is in a, as you all know, is in a new phase of working on this, this whole agenda, is working through the Catalyst programme at the moment, um, and we know that we haven't got all the solutions and we need to continue to talk to you as a sector about how we make uh, our money work as hard as possible and our support work as hard as possible for all of you, so that we sustain as much of the arts ecology as we can through this next period of time. Could I ask you to finish by just thanking our two speakers who I think have been inspirational? It's tea time.
2: We had so many good times and some bad. We shared the happiness.
0: To say. this podcast is produced by arts council england for more content like this visit artscouncil.org.uk or soundcloud.com forward
7: slash arts council england